Happy Tuesday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Shannon Kelly, I'm Brian Samudio, Alex Margulies on assignment. Julian Delgadio with a much-deserved day off today. Uh, there's a lot to talk about today. We're going to have Ed Eric Edelstein, the president of Reno 1868 and the Reno Aces talking about, well, we're televising their games. It's going to start on Thursday right here on Nevada Sportsnet. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, plenty of Wolfpack news today. A takeout Tuesday by Shannon Kelly and uh, Dodger fan cutouts at Dodger Stadium. Is there a Chris Murray Dodger fan cutout? We know there's a Chris Murray fathead in the student section at Nevada. Is there going to be a Chris Murray Dodger fan cutout. We don't know. But uh, let's start with Wolfpack News, uh, Nevada football. This, this is my surprised face. And, you know, a young athlete has every right to make any decision. Caden Bennett, who is who was, I believe, zoned to go to Reed, right, Chris? And ended up going to Folsom High School in Northern California, along with a couple of other, other Northern Nevadans. Goes to Boise State initially. Transfers to Nevada a year ago and now has entered the transfer portal. I, I, I just, my thing is that Nevada has their quarterback. I mean, I mean if, unless you think you can unseat Carson Strong, who went out and had a great freshman year and appears to be destined for greatness, uh, there really wasn't a spot at the table. So uh, how much does it surprise you that Caden Bennett is entering the transfer portal? I wouldn't say hugely surprising. I would say I'm a little bit surprised that it happened before the start of this season. Um, I did talk with Derek Bennett, Caden's dad, and he uh, added a little bit of context that I think is important for people who are looking at the transfer because I saw a lot of Boise State fans saying, yeah, that's the kind of kid he is, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they were kind of harsh on Caden because he has now transferred from two Mountain West schools, uh, you know, less than a year as a college athlete. Now, Derek said that he was actually – diagnosed with cancer uh, last year. And that's why Caden ended up transferring closer to home because he wanted to be with his family as his dad went through cancer and had to have surgery. Derek said he's now cancer free. And that was the biggest reason that he left rather than not wanting to compete against Hank Bachmeyer, who was a true freshman who won the job or something like that. Uh, now that Derek says that he is cancer free, um, Caden is now looking at, okay, where do my skills fit in Nevada's offense? And he said, it just doesn't fit maybe necessarily as well as he would like because Caden is a very mobile quarterback who does a lot of damage with his legs and Nevada runs an air raid, which is largely a pass oriented offense. Now they have done some read option stuff in the past, but um, maybe not the best fit for his skill set, And that's why he's entering the transfer portal this time around. So I think it's easy just to look at Caden and say, uh, you know, he doesn't want to compete because he's going up against, you know, a freshman at Boise state. Now a freshman that he was behind in Carson Strong at Nevada. I'm not sure that's 100% the case. I mean, you even look at last year's team. Uh, I would go out to all the practices I was allowed to go out to, and Caden Bennett wasn't running the scout team offense as a quarterback. He was largely being used as like a wide receiver or a running back. So I'm not sure that Nevada saw you know him as a starter down the road if they weren't even giving him the reps as scout team quarterback. Those were going to Hamish McClure, who was a walk-on, uh, who previously had played at Sac State. So, um, you know, I think it's just maybe not a great fit for both sides. And now it puts Nevada in a very int interesting situation because you're talking about a team now heading into the 2020 season, if Caden does end up transferring, that has only two scholarship quarterbacks, one Carson Strong, one Nate Cox, a junior college transfer who joined the team over the winter, uh, and then additionally two walk-on quarterbacks. So if Carson Strong gets hurt, Nevada could be in some, some deep trouble just because there's not a lot of depth at the position. I think this year more than any, you need depth because randomly any player, uh, including your starting quarterback, could get COVID-19 and be out for a couple of yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, perspective to get kind of the behind the curtains a little bit of look. Austin Kirksey transferring uh, back home uh, because of some family issues and, and basically the same sort of issue. 
and and there are sour grapes whenever somebody leaves a program people unfortunately keyboard wizards jump online but shannon i i wish the best for this young man i really wish i could have seen him play his high school ball in northern nevada because he's just an electric athlete yeah he really is i mean from what i've seen on film obviously yeah we haven't seen him in person play but yeah, and I think, you know, you're so quick to judge when you hear a story like that, like, oh, a kid just left because for whatever reason, you're quick to judge that, oh, you know, he just didn't want to put in the work or whatnot. But then coming out with more context and saying, yeah, you know, his dad was diagnosed with cancer. And those are things that you don't want to share, you know, early on, but you do want to come home and you, cause you just don't know. And especially in a situation like that, that's a terrible situation. You know, you don't want to be selfish and you're up at school somewhere away and God forbid something bad does happen. So I think that was the smart move for him to come back home. And then now with things, you know, months later, his father being cancer free, it's a good decision that then he realized, Hey, maybe this isn't the good fit for me. Maybe if things were the other way around and maybe if his father wasn't doing so well, he decided to stick it out at Nevada. But then, you know, realizing too now that, things are good and this just wasn't a good fit for him and who knows he still could stay even though he is in the transfer portal and maybe he decides hey maybe I will play a different position like Chris said that he wasn't getting those snaps at quarterback but that is a position where you need depth I mean we saw all too far often last year when Christian Solano was hurt then Carson Strong getting hurt then even who who else are you going to go to? I mean Malik Henry was hurt last year. Malik Henry was hurt yeah at, I mean the list just goes on so yeah, it's really tough. I mean, but now that we're about a month out from Nevada, you know, presumably starting their first game of the season, if they only have two quarterbacks, they're in a tough situation right now. And hopefully they can make something happen and maybe get, land another junior college transfer here in the next couple of weeks. Chris, you were able to talk with uh, head coach Steve Alford uh, this morning of Nevada basketball. It came in classic, which Nevada was a uh, a participant in, I shouldn't say was, is a participant in, has been moved from the Cayman Islands to Florida, one of the hotbeds of COVID-19. Uh, I really want to hear your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of on the panhandle. So uh, it's it's not in maybe the most dense area of COVID-19, but Florida does have the third most COVID-19 cases in the United States. So um, I think the Grand Caymans probably just decided, you know, like we're not taking international people. I'm sorry. Like if you got a lot of cases, I'm not bringing in Americans in here. So um, that move hasn't been been officially declared. Uh, Jeff Goodman from Stadium did report it and Coach Alford when I spoke to him this morning said yeah that's what he's been hearing as well and there should be an official decision on that but kind of a bummer. I mean as a Wolfpack player I'm sure they were looking forward to going overseas uh, for the second straight season and uh, enjoying that experience but it makes complete sense. I don't know that the location of Florida is maybe the best destination but you know these games are going to be played around Thanksgiving so hopefully cases have gone down and hopefully we're able to get a non-conference season in. I mean, Coach Alford uh, was very worried about that, whether they're even going to be able to play a non-conference season, whether they're going to be able to have fans at Lawler Event Center this year. I mean, he, more than anybody, is watching what's going on with football and with Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL as they restart to see if they're able to actually get through the season. Because if there's no college football, there's a very good chance that there's no college athletics at all in 2020. So um, a lot of programs are really vested in making sure football happens in 2020 in the fall and not the spring because if you push it back to the spring you're probably going to see volleyball canceled you're probably going to see cross country canceled you're going to see a lot of sports canceled because just financially if you're not getting that revenue from football you're not going to have enough money to sustain your program but uh, the Wolfpack basketball team did start uh, workouts they are able to do required workouts starting Monday coach Alford said it 
130 days since they have practiced at Session Center, which is a long, long time. I mean, usually you get these guys through the majority of the summer. You get to have your hands on them. You get to coach them up. Uh, and that's very important for Nevada looking at how young this team is. So uh, the Wolfpack isn't doing full team practices. They're going to do four players uh, one hour uh, for four days out of the week. Um, they're going to try and keep those numbers down so not to have any infections. And Coach Alford said, given how young his team, uh, his team is, that it's kind of smart to do smaller groups just because it's, it's easier to teach them uh, when you're only working with four players rather than having 15, a full team there, and maybe you don't get as much individual instruction. So they will be able to start practice, um, which is good news for them, but they are uh, as in the dark as anybody else about whether they're going to be able to play a season just because nobody knows at this point. Stay positive, stay optimistic, and, uh, you know, take the punches when they arrive. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, 2020. We reported yesterday that uh, Dawson Martin, a Spanish Springs High School graduate who had redshirted and was playing his second season, his, his, technically his first season, as an active athlete uh, at Boise State. Said Boise State shuttered their program after just over a dozen games, but uh, he transferred and he's going to go to Nevada. Another Northern Nevada uh, baseball player by the name of Matt Foreman, who is a McQueen High School graduate, was also playing at Boise State. Shannon, we found out last night and this morning that he is going to transfer to Creighton and he's going to be able to play his college baseball in Omaha. Nothing but best wishes. And anytime, I can only imagine, you're the, you're the college athlete of our group right now that's on air. Rez was a college football player. But uh, to have your, your program shuttered and actually get a second chance has to be priceless. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, I feel like you almost read my mind yesterday when I said, I hope he finds somewhere to go just because of the state of things. No one knows what programs are going to be cut, what's going to happen, but to be able to find somewhere to go that fast is really, that's a great thing. And yeah, he's going further away from home, but still to have this opportunity to play still at this level as well is, is great. I wish nothing but the best for him. And, you know, I hope the rest of those guys on that Boise state team can also find somewhere to go. I mean, I don't think it even necessarily matters what level you play at at this point. If you're, you want to play college baseball, you should go play college baseball wherever you get the chance to. Considering this state of things, no one knows what's going to happen. You know, in a couple more months, more programs could be cut. And especially if we don't have a college football season, that's going to hurt things even more. Yeah, it, it'll be devastating uh, if, if there isn't a college football season because that's the moneymaker. Um, if people you know, understand it or not, that's, that's what makes money in college athletics when it comes to a university raking in cash and, and, and staying alive when it comes to an athletic department. It is, it is certainly their football program. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Eric Edelstein with Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces. We're going to talk about how we will be televising Reno 1868's home and away matches for you right here on Nevada Sportsnet. That's next. NSN Daily rolling along here on your Tuesday. Eric Edelstein, president of Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces joining us right now. Uh, Eric, uh, we were joking before uh, you came on the air. That's the longest I think I've ever seen your hair and you just got a cut. That, that's right. Yeah, quarantine has done some crazy things to, uh, to personal style and this is about as crazy as it gets. Is, uh, <laughs> I think it's a two on the side instead of uh, instead of a full buzz. You know, uh, it was like it was just yesterday that we were up on the balcony overlooking Virginia Street, and you put up the sign saying, "We are Reno 1868 FC," and for us to be where we are now in this uh, in this situation really shows the perseverance of your staff, of your team, of your people. You're back. You played a match on Sunday. You're going to play another one on the road on Thursday. 
and we are very proud that we here at Nevada Sportsnet are going to be able to televise your product Thursday night at 7 p.m. Absolutely. We are, we are thrilled to continue to expand our partnership with Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, you guys have been, have been our go-to since before you were Nevada Sportsnet, um, and, and we broadcast aces in 1868 games. Um, we're thrilled to be able to say that all of our matches, home and road, the rest of the way, are going to be broadcast on Nevada Sportsnet. And, uh, and it's a great opportunity for, uh, for our Reno sports fans who maybe are, are missing all of their regular sports um, to tune in and give, uh, give professional soccer an opportunity here. I think, uh, I think you'll be impressed. It's a, it's a fun product and a really high level of soccer that we're playing here. Talk us through the process of returning as a league, because it's not like you guys are going to be making a lot of money without fans in the seat, without that revenue. But it seems like you guys were really invested from the very start to get back as quickly as possible, just to give fans a season and something to root for during kind of this downtime. No, I, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, making money isn't a phrase that's going to be said for quite some time in the, uh, in the sports industry. Um, that's certainly not what we're here doing. Um, but, but what we are doing is, is trying to fulfill the, the core promise, um, which is to deliver high-quality professional sports to, uh, to Northern Nevada. And, uh, and I've been a part of the U.S. Soccer League's COVID um, return task force myself, so I'm one of five clubs that's represented. Um, we've listened to um, dozens of doctors. Um, we have talked to experts in all various fields to – to really try to create the safest possible return to play, all while recognizing we have a risk that we cannot fully mitigate. Um, we can't say that it's 100% safe, um, but we, say, we do believe that we've got protocols in place to make it as safe as possible. Um, and again, it's all about just delivering professional sport to Northern Nevada. And if it's through a screen, then it's gonna be through a screen and we're going to deliver the best we can. Hopefully by August 8th, um, when we return home, we're hoping that we can have limited fans um, at that time. But, but at this point, uh, we're, we're waiting on the governor to know more about that. It's funny you say the word screen. It just brought up the fact that you guys, for Reno Aces, just provided that new screen to keep fans safe. And we're, we're talking about this, and we should be going to baseball games right now. But, Eric, obviously you're at the office right now. Being part of this task force, what have been the challenges, and I'm sure there have been many, on the broad level? And then – just for you at Greater Nevada Field, keeping your people safe. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been – we've been kind of dual tracking it, right, because it's, it's sort of getting the office um, environment for the front office. Um, we are uh, – you know, right, we, have, we, are, we are optional in our, in our front office. Um, for anybody who doesn't have a, their own private office, they actually have a suite right now. Um, so we have the luxury of having a number of suites. So um, everybody has a private space assigned. Um, we're very heavy – um, you know, masks in all public spaces. So we're, we're doing our part. Um, on the player side, the most difficult thing about it is just that the nature of professional sports is close personal contact. Um, the thing that we're trying our best to avoid out in the world. Um, so we've, we've worked on a testing cadence so that players are tested um, on a routine basis. We have very specific um, rules for when a positive test happens, how we contact trace, um, each team has um, two people per club at minimum that have gone through full contact tracing certification um, so that we can contact trace if and when there's a positive. Um, and then, you know, ultimately just try to isolate, keep people safe. Um, we have some players that are training in masks. Um, they've just made that personal decision um, for themselves. 
And, uh, and we're trying to just take it day by day. Um, and I, we had a team meeting on Saturday and I implored upon the players, please just ask questions because we don't, we don't pretend to know that we have all the answers. Um, but we're trying to keep you as safe as, as we possibly can. And by the way, that also includes splitting our one soccer team into three locker rooms in the stadium. So actually our aces locker room, our visiting locker room and our soccer locker room um, all have a few players each so that everybody is as spread out as humanly possible right now. You had mentioned that potentially having fans uh, in the ballpark for your home opener in early August. Um, what would have to happen for that to, to take place? Obviously, Governor Sisolak is the one who probably gets the final call. Do we have to move as a state to phase three to be able to get that? Or do you submit a plan saying we're going to do all this stuff and then they either approve or deny it? So, so we have submitted a plan. So we actually co-wrote a plan um, with the Las Vegas Aviators. Um, we sort of co-authored it with them. Even though minor league baseball isn't playing, they have an interest in hosting events at their stadium. Um, so we co-authored a plan with the Aviators. The Las Vegas Lights Soccer Club sort of signed on as a supporter. So we presented a unified minor league sports in Nevada plan. Um, we were not given direct feedback. We we not be given direct feedback on exactly if like does phase three trigger it. Um, we do believe though that phase three is likely um, what's necessary. I don't think they're going to consider um, approving us on a one-off while the state's in phase two. Um, so, you know, that can be my plug here to please wear a mask and, uh, and help us get on a downward trajectory because the more we take care of each other, the sooner we can have, have live sports uh, at the ballpark again. Yeah, you talk about social distancing. I mean, some of your fan support groups, the Battleborn Brigade, the uh, Douglas Alley Renegades, I don't see those guys social distancing at all. They are a very, very enthusiastic groups of people. Um, how difficult, one, did you make the trip to Sacramento? Chris and I both watched it on TV. And, and if you did, what's it like seeing soccer without any fans or even sporting events without any fans? So I actually didn't make the trip. I, I kind of wanted to experience, since it was national TV, I felt like I wanted to have that experience. So um, Doug Raffrey, our general manager, did go. Um, and he said, it's weird. Um, he said, uh, you know, you actually hear a lot, a lot more snide remarks um, <laughs> being made at various points, things that just never would be audible if there were, if there were any fans in the stands. You definitely hear the coach. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you definitely hear the coach's instruction um, very clearly. Uh, so, you know, how that instruction is, is given is, is very loud and, um, and you're hearing that live. Um, I, I can only imagine it's, it's going to be very bizarre to play with, with no fans. Um, and at, at the same time, we've got to try to create an atmosphere where the guys, uh, um, you've got to perform as if, um, you know, they played with no fans in Sacramento, but for a lot of those players, that was the most eyeballs that have ever been on them. Um, playing the game of soccer, being on ESPN2. Um, so they know that we're going to be on television um, locally for the rest of the way. Uh, and so that's sort of part of how we create the atmosphere for them to hopefully you know, know that there are a lot of people watching. You just can't see them. You guys released a statement before the game about potentially kneeling for the anthem. A lot of the players and even both of the coaches were wearing Black Lives Matter uh, armbands. Um, that was obviously a very contentious issue when Colin Kaepernick, a Wolfpack alum, knelt uh, during NFL games in 2016. Uh, we saw with the San Francisco Giants kneeling during a game last night. How much is that topic and maybe just openness to potentially letting players and, and coaches voice their opinion kind of changed over the last four years since Cap was the first one to do so? 
Well, I, th I think the conversation is just um, to, to deny the conversation would just be tone deaf in the, in the world that we're living in right now. So we, we have seen where the world has moved and uh, um, you know, look, I'll, personally, I, I stand for the national anthem. Um, I think there's other ways to, to protest myself um, um, or make a statement, but at the same time, um, I think we've all, I hope that this is maybe a movement um, in our nation to, to accepting different voices um, and accepting that it doesn't all have to be one way or the other way, um, that we can sort of all have a, have a voice. We can, we can stand up for what we believe in and not worry about other people being upset at, at that. And so we thought it was important to make a statement that standing does not make you anti-Black Lives Matter and kneeling does not make you anti-American. Um, and that the, a player's right to express themselves or any person's right to express themselves is inherent in our First Amendment right um, and that we need to be, you know, void, outwardly supportive, um, vocally supportive, um, that everyone has a right to, to make their statement any way that they would like. Um, and then finally, the, the Black Lives Matter armbands um, kneeling before the match um, for United Against Racism, you know, that's a, a league-wide initiative. Um, it, and, you know, in some ways, it makes me sad that we have to make a statement that racism is bad. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's obviously very important that we continue to drive home that message and use the sports platform um, to, to get the word out and continue to keep that conversation alive. Eric Edelstein, the president of Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces, joining us. We appreciate the time, Eric. And uh, we will accept responsibility for the loss on Sunday against Sac Republic because we'll call that the NSN Beer Pong hangover uh, because one of your players, of course, Corey Herzog, won our championship. That's on us. That's on us. You want to see uh, Reno 1868 take on the Tacoma Defiance live sports on Nevada Sportsnet. It'll be Thursday night right here on NSN. Eric, appreciate the time, man. Can't wait to see you in person at the yard. Sounds great. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, a little extra mailbag question. What statues of former Wolfpack athletes and trophies should be erected on campus? That's next. You know, Murray's mailbag comes out every single Wednesday, but uh, on, on this show, at least, you can check in with uh, – with Chris on Sunday afternoons, and uh, he opens up the mailbag at by Chris Mary on Twitter. Um, how big was the mailbag this week, Chris? It was pretty big. It was a pretty big uh, headache at the end of it. That's how I measure how much time I took on it. Uh, I think about 5,000 words. So a lot of questions this week, which is fine. Uh, and I saved one that's going to go on the uh, website Wednesday. That's kind of a special question. It, the question is, who will uh, be Nevada's coach longer, Steve Alford or Jay Norvell? So. Uh, we'll have that on the website as well tomorrow, in addition to everything I posted yesterday. You have me stroking the beard, Chris. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, it's going to take me a while. That's why I didn't answer it. I got to think about that because they both have long contracts. Uh, yeah. have five more years and Steve's got nine more years. So they're both going to be here a while, it looks like. Interesting. Uh, we'll get into the full mailbag uh, tomorrow in this show. It's always airing on Wednesdays. But uh, we like to maybe dip into the mailbag and pull out an extra question. And this one is a good one. You know, we've talked about it on this show, uh, Chris and Shannon, a lot about who do we think there should be statues of around campus or up in front of Lawler Events Center or Mackey Stadium's four entrances. Where should there be a statue? And Chris burst my bubble when he 
actually did the research and, and provided me facts as to how expensive these things really are. But um, Chris, tell me about this question and your thoughts, your, your thought process through that. Yeah, I don't. I, so I wrote a story about Colin Kaepernick deserves a statue at Nevada and it should be done sooner rather than later. And then there were a couple of questions in the mailbag, like what about the Martin twins? What about Marion Motley? And I'm trying to get one statue at a time. Statues are pretty rare up at the university. There's only two statues of people on the entire campus of the University of Nevada. One is John Mackey, which I believe was in 1908, uh, obviously was a huge donor. The School of Mines named after him, the football field named after him. The other of uh, former governor and senator Richard Bryan, uh, that one in in 2015. So it's not like there's a ton of statues out there. Um, but I do think if you're gonna put statues uh, of Wolfpack student athletes, I think it has to start with Colin Kaepernick. So I did a list of five athletes and five coaches. If the Wolfpack did kind of like a monument park like the Yankees do, uh, here are the five athletes I'd like to see have a statue and the five coaches. I'll do the athletes first and have you guys weigh in. So I got Cap. Uh, I have Marion Motley. I mean, broke the, the pro football color barrier. Uh, the only Wolfpack athlete in one of the big four um, Hall of Fames, uh, obviously in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, also have Patty Sheehan, uh, International Golf Hall of Fame. She was actually a one-person team when she played golf for Nevada. There was no Nevada golf team. She started her own team. She ended up having to transfer to San Jose State to join a real team, won an NCAA championship, and then a fabulous pro career. Uh, Mills Lane, obviously Mills has the uh, Reno Justice Center named after him, which is a great distinction, but you wouldn't know if you walked campus that Mills Lane, the most famous boxing referee ever, uh, a great judge, uh, NCAA champion as an individual boxer in 1960, would have went to school there. So a statue of him. And then after the Martin Twins question, I did have a basketball player, but I'm going with Nick Fizikas. I think he's the best college basketball player who ever played in the program at Nevada, led Nevada to four NCAA tournaments before the school had ever been really going to NCAA tournaments. So those would be my five athletes to get a statue in a Wolfpack Monument Park. I'm going to add one athlete to it, and I love – you putting Mills Lane there, I think it would be a sense of pride for students, faculty, alumni walking around because you've got so many students that don't know that Colin Kaepernick played at Nevada, who Nick Fizikis is, who, I mean, Patty Sheehan, Mills Lane. I mean, can you imagine walking up to Law Lower Event Center, you've got this massive statue of Nick Fizikis or Mills Lane in that boxing pose, and we've all seen that. Uh, most of us have seen that picture of him back when he was in his prime. Shannon's like, I haven't seen the picture. Well, I have, okay. <laughs> I got to cover some of the boxing matches that that gentleman officiated. And he was, he is a gentleman, incredible man. The name I'm going to add is Chris Starr, the greatest basketball player ever for the women's program. You could argue maybe for the men's program, University of Nevada. Uh, Shannon, what would it have been like for you as a student athlete to walk around campus or to walk through the athletic facility because that entire northern part of the campus except for the med school is basically there's, there's a huge athletic facility to be able to see these statues and go I didn't know that that person competed where I go to school I think that would be awesome because yeah like you said I mean I didn't know who half of those players were when I was a student athlete there and that's I mean partially just because I didn't know in my knowledge but I'm going to think that a lot of the other student athletes didn't know who they were as well. Um, but that just gives more sense of understanding and knowing, okay, these people went here as well. And they're, they were part of this community and they did really great things here at this, at this school as an athlete and as a student. So yeah, I think that just gives more sense of understanding and knowing, you know, who did this. I didn't even know much about Mary Motley until recently when we were talking about what would have been his 100th birthday. So I think just giving that sense of understanding and, 
I mean, yeah, I know it takes a long time for these statues to be placed and, you know, <laughs> they cost a lot of money, but it would be great to really to have them and to honor these people who did wonderful things and had tremendous athletic careers. Chris, uh, let's go through your coaches. I know one of them's going to have the initial CA <laughs> and one of them is going to be a Douglas High School graduate. Yeah, so uh, Chris Alt, uh, pretty obvious. I mean, the best coach in school history, the best athletic director in school history, built a lot of the facilities up there. So he's got to have one. Uh, Gary Powers would be the Douglas High grad. I mean, the, the Wolfpack baseball coach for three decades. Uh, Pacoli Park wouldn't exist without Gary Powers. I mean, he was really the driving force to get that stadium built and then to continually improve it over the decades. Uh, Jin Lee Yu, uh, the diving coach, I think um, you know, she is arguably the best coach in, in Wolfpack history. I mean, I give the nod to Chris Alt, but Jin Lee uh, coached six conference divers of the year. She was the NCAA diving coach of the year. She's been at Nevada for 25 years. Uh, she's won six conference championships during her tenure. So an amazing coach. Uh, Dick Trachok, another one. Uh, I mean, 60 years of being employed by the Wolfpack. He was a player first, uh, then a head coach of the football program, then an athletic director who hired Chris Alt to coach the football team, still director, uh, athletic director emeritus. So I think he deserves one. And then my fifth one, I was going to pick a basketball coach, but you look at Trent Johnson, Mark Fox, Eric Musselman, none of them spent more than five years as a head coach in Nevada. I feel like you need a little bit more longevity. So I went with Jimmy Olivas. He's actually the longest consecutively tenured uh, coach in Wolfpack history from 1950 to 1985. He was the Wolfpack boxing coach won a number of national championships. Uh, now boxing stopped being an NCAA sport in 1960, but he kind of helped create uh, the NCBA, which is the current version of college boxing. So uh, I went with those five. Like, like you said, I mean, these statues, if you go cheap, are about $150,000. If you go really expensive, you're looking at a quarter of a million dollars. So we'll be lucky to see a statue of one of these people um, just because of how expensive they are. But I, I do think it is worth uh, celebrating your alums a little bit more than Nevada does. And I think that's something that they're going to take seriously. They've already said they're going to bring uh, prominent recognition to Colin Kaepernick and other black activists who have uh, walked through campus. So maybe we see something like this in the new, near future. I think you'll see a Colin Kaepernick statue at some point. Um, just probably wouldn't bet on it being the next decade. Do we make it that dive where it's that picture? Is it against Boise State where he makes that diving? Yeah. Maybe it's that one. It's a long dive. Does, is it? I, I don't know. There's so many iconic pictures of Cap in a Nevada uniform, you know, I, I, I don't know. But uh, it, it's funny to me, I don't believe this was a tradition when I was a student at the Reynolds School of Journalism. Chris, you're an alum. Shannon, you graduated from Nevada. I've seen so many pictures on social media in recent years of students putting bottles at the feet of the John Mackey statue for luck during finals. Chris, that wasn't a thing when I went to school there. It was it when you did it? Shannon, I know it was when you did <laughs> uh, For me, I don't remember it. I never went and did that. I didn't really need luck with finals, and I wasn't like a drinker back then. Uh, I would have some more empty bottles now, but it is kind of cool. You're talking about like thousands and thousands of bottles, it seems like, that just kind of fill up the quad area around the statue as if they're going to get uh, good luck rather than uh, you know spending time actually studying. So I didn't do it. Did you ever see it, Shannon? Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen it. I can't say I've took part in it though. I didn't partake in it. I promise. I really didn't. I would own up to it. I don't if buy I that. I don't but buy that for a second. I, I didn't. I didn't partake, but I, I saw it. It was definitely a thing when I was there. And you know, I think it's a unique tradition. I don't know if other colleges do it. I'm sure they have something similar, but that's just a thing. I, it's just a Nevada thing. And I can't see that ever going away now that it's here. Shannon's the good girl of the Nevada Sportsnet department. <laughs>
Uh, if you want to watch or read that full article, just go to our website. That's NevadaSportsNet.com. We'll have much more coming up next here on NSN Daily. Shannon's got a takeout Tuesday for us coming up next. It is Tuesday, and that means takeout Tuesday. We're always supporting our, our local businesses and uh, encouraging people to you know, take a break once in a week, a couple of times a week maybe, and uh, order some takeout. And Shannon, you found a place in one of my favorite places in, in northern Nevada, especially, I would even say western Nevada, is Verdi. I absolutely love that little community. It's, it's great right down by the river, great parks and, and biking trails, hiking trails. Uh, you found a distillery, which I am interested in. Yeah, the Verdi local distillery. It's like, it almost looks like a little house. It's, you would miss it. I mean, you can't miss it. It's right next to Chop 40 there on Highway 40, but it's this small little place. It's so cute when you walk in, um, just very rustic. It doesn't even feel like you're 10 minutes away from Reno. <laughs> I mean, it was a great little setup um, and the drinks were delicious. It's crazy. They make their own kind of different kinds of whiskey. Um, they have a cin apple cinnamon whiskey. They have a Yeti jackalope gin which is really interesting but different just all different kinds they have a new peanut butter whiskey the owner was telling me about um but yeah i was chatting with him and i was just like how did you guys get started doing this and he said originally you know he kind of just started doing it as a hobby distilling uh, beer and wine and then he actually got a license to distill alcohol so yeah just a hobby that turned into a business and they just have one-of-a-kind drinks i was really surprised i've never really heard anything like those and uh yeah just had a drink sat out on the patio and had a dodger dog chris's favorite i'm oh, sure nice. but <laughs> uh, yeah and it was an awesome little afternoon out there chris uh one question uh when are you ready to go <laughs> no i really enjoy that area like verdi's downtown is one of the most interesting places in northern nevada i mean it's just like it feels like it was born, uh, you know, created in like the 1800s and everything is just kind of like old country West. Like I used to watch um, Bonanza with my dad when I was a little kid that was shot up at Virginia City and that still looked like it, it looked like in that show. And, um, you know, I was actually looking into why it's called Verdi. So it's named after Giuseppe Verdi, who was a famous Italian opera singer. Uh, it was originally called O'Neill's Crossing, uh, who was the man who built the city in 1860, but uh, was renamed by the founder of the Central Pacific Railroad, Charles Crocker, um, who enjoyed Giuseppe Verde's music. Uh, and so he switched the name uh, to Verde. So it, it's, uh, it's a very cool little place. We actually considered moving out there when we were moving last summer. Um, it is kind of, you know, close to downtown and everything, but still off the beaten path that you kind of feel like you're in nature and you're not overwhelmed in a suburbia kind of feel. So um, I'm down to go out there whenever. Uh, I have not been to actually any restaurants in Verde. We usually bring our food when we go out to uh, Crystal Peak Park. Um, but I would like to make a stop over there. I was reading Shannon's story, and it looks like a delightful. Shannon, um, do they bottle it? Is it? Can you just get the cocktails there, or can you purchase a bottle and take it home? Yeah, so you can purchase a bottle and take it home, or you can also purchase cocktails yeah. and take it home. <laughs> you could do either, either or, or both. And they also now are making their own hand sanitizer, too. Uh, so when the need for everything happened with COVID and the pandemic and the need for hand sanitizer, uh, the owner, Jeremy, he said he was making it just for the restaurant, just for the distillery, I mean, and, you know, then customers were asking him, hey, how can I buy this? Uh, so then he started making it, selling it, donating it to hospitals and places that are really in need of it right now during this time. Uh, but yeah, you can purchase the bottles online, the cocktails, canned cocktails online as well. You can place an order and do curbside pickup there. Sounds good. If you want to check out 
Shannon's story on the, the distillery in Verdi, it's, uh, it was a good kept secret and we want to make it uh, a, not a secret. We want people to understand that there are great products being produced right here in our area. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, is there a Chris Murray Dodger fathead at Chavez Ravine? We'll reveal that next. Well, that's kind of the sign of the times. We've seen uh, a number of uh, athletic teams put cutouts of fans uh, in the stands, and the Dodgers are, are not, unlike anybody else, are doing the same thing. And you can buy a cutout of yourself to put behind home plate if you want to. You can do it anywhere, Chris. I'm saying this to you, Chris, because Dodger Stadium um, – 149 bucks for field level, so who knows if the camera's going to see it. $299 for pavilion home run seats and the dugout club. And you get it back. You actually get to keep the likeness. Oh, thank you. I get to keep my likeness after donating money. Um, and all the funds will go toward the Dodgers Foundation for L.A. Uh, would you do that? I should have. It's really reasonable. I mean, $299, like you said, you get it back. It's made out of a weatherproof material, like 18 inches by 30 inches. I don't know that I'd hang it up in my house. I'm not that vain, garage or something, but it's a nice way to donate to the Dodgers fund. Uh, and it's, you know, it adds a little bit of flavor. They actually had a preseason game last night and they were playing Arizona and you could see some of the cardboard cutouts. It'd be cool to see yourself behind home plate. They uh, also had some advertising out in the outfield area as well so making some money that way um it's an unusual thing uh heading into the season on thursday with no fans in the stands but uh i should have jumped on this i do have a birthday coming up though if anybody wants to buy one on my behalf maybe my parents if they're watching uh, i could just randomly be watching a dodger game uh and see a picture of myself in the back that'd be pretty cool very very subtle hint shannon would you you would definitely go for this being a yankee fan you'd want to see yourself behind a home plate in the in the bronx right Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, it's such a cool thing that they are doing. Two, uh, it's going towards a good cause also. Uh, three, it's way cheaper than a season ticket. I mean, why just, you can have your cut out there, you know, even though you're not there, you can still watch it on TV and pretend that you're there. But yeah, I mean, it's a thing that, you know, hopefully we'll never see something like this again in our lifetime. I think, yeah, once you get the cutout back after it's something you can look back on and say, hey, this was a thing in 2020, and hopefully that's something we don't have again. I think it would be hilarious. I think it's a great idea. It's a way to make money um, for, for good causes and for charity. And why wouldn't you put it up in your garage or your sports cave? I hate saying the word man cave because you can have a women, woman cave as well, or, I, or she shed. <laughs> I think the sports cave somewhere. What a conversation starter. Somebody walks in and goes, what the heck is that? And you go, well, I was a season ticket holder during pandemic, uh, the pandemic of 2020. But uh, yeah, uh, pretty cool uh, what's going on at Dodger Stadium and other sports franchises around the country. Coming up next on NSN Daily, as we wrap things up, Mountain West Conference football media days are postponed and TMCC soccer pushed to spring. We'll kick that around as we wrap things up next. I want to thank Eric Edelstein, president of Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces for coming on the show. We will be televising uh, Reno 1868's road match against the Tacoma Defiance coming up on Thursday night at 7 o'clock here on Nevada Sportsnet. Two final subjects. Chris, I'm going to get you first crack at, at the first subject. Mountain West Conference Football Media Day, something Shannon's covered a couple of times for us down in Las Vegas. Postponed and no date set. This is my surprise face. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a bunch of speculation. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of questions that the coaches can't really answer. So it was scheduled to be next week. I think it's smart to push it back just because we don't even know if they're going to play a non-conference season. That'd probably be a large chunk of the questions. Are you guys going to play? And the coach would be like, I don't know. It's not up to me. So um, unfortunately, yeah, there's still not a lot of answers, even though we're like 40 days away from Nevada's season opener. So it makes sense to delay that. Hopefully they have access to some coaches uh, once they do make a decision on that. But uh, up to this point, Nevada and the Mountain West have held firm that they're going to play non-conference games. So we'll see with the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 saying they're not going to play non-conference games, uh, whether the rest of the, the nation and the Mountain West will join them in short time. Uh, yeah, I think it's the right decision. You know, I, it was, it was going to put coaches in an uncomfortable position and a position that they don't deserve to be in. You know, they, they don't have the answers. Nobody has the answers right now. And until something definitive comes out of this, there's no – for a reason to do it. Uh, but we did see junior colleges make a move. Uh, TMCC soccer season, Shannon, has been now pushed to the springtime. Um, not surprising, but I think it's the right move. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, TMCC said in accordance with the National Junior Community College Association that, you know, they were going to move, make the move to the spring for fall sports. And I think that is the right decision. You know, they will still be allowed to have a certain number of practices in the fall under certain guidance and regulations. So they can at least still get some work in. But I think that's the safe thing. So we can try and get through this in the next few months and then play sports, you know, safely than we could right now per se in the spring so yeah I think a smart move there and um, those kids will still get a chance to play soccer in a couple more and months ever, yeah and ever-changing climates and uh, and structure when it comes to just day-by-day decisions and and uh, we don't know what this thing's going to do yet and uh, you know once once we get into the winter months and it starts getting cold again who knows? Uh, I want to thank you all for being with us here on NSN Daily. For Shannon Kelly and for Chris Murray, I'm Brian Sabudio. Thanks very much. We'll see you tomorrow.